Welcome back to the United Pubcast for your match review of the semi-final, Manchester United against Brighton, nil-nil. But um, it plays, in my opinion, a very exciting nil-nil draw. A lot of people said it sort of bored themselves to sleep. But um, for me, I was edge-of-the-seat stuff, absolutely not good for my heart, not good for my health, especially first thing on a Monday morning here in Sydney. But um, obviously nil-nil on the scoreboard, but 7-6 at the end of the day. On the penalty shootout, not often Manchester United do sort of come out the victors in a penalty shootout. I saw a weird stat, not a weird stat, just one of those sort of ones that do pop up that our last shootout win, Sanchez was actually in goal for Rochdale. I think he was on loan at Rochdale at the time. And um, so fingers crossed that we can, can sort of get a penalty shootout against Manchester City in the final. Um, Sanchez somehow finds himself between the sticks because he seems to be the kryptonite in terms of helping us win. Um, penalty shootouts, but um, I'm sure we'll get into all the discussion in regards to Brighton and the penalty shootout. I don't think anyone sort of shed any confidence ahead of that shootout when the final whistle went. I think a lot of us sort of resigned ourselves to, okay, this is going to go Brighton's way. Seven perfect penalties by Man United and six good penalties by Brighton and one sort of bad one, which we'll touch on the end, that Solly March penalty and David De Gea. Did he have any impact? Obviously, he didn't save the penalties. It was very sort of reminiscent of Villarreal. But we'll get into all things like that and three, two, ones, and everything. As I said, Larry's not with us, or as you can see, Larry's not with us. Fingers crossed he can join us. I'm um, running a little bit late today. But um, if anyone does want to jump on the stream, um, have a chat with us, feel free. Um, I can send you the link and you can jump on. Just have your camera or microphone ready and you can have a chat with me and everyone else in the live chat. Or if not, just get all your comments in the live chat and um, yeah, just help us along so that I can bounce topics and questions off each other and we'll get the conversation flowing. Because as I said, a nil-nil draw. You know, not much to talk about in regards to talking points throughout the game. Yeah, not too much. The roller coaster of emotions, though, like the, I'm short of no, definitely no short of topics in regards to the emotions I went through there. A lot of people say the FA Cup has lost a bit of its magic. It's not really what it was one day. Tell you when that whistle was going and those penalties were flying in, tell me you didn't care about it. Like the FA Cup still has something about it, in my opinion. And now, even more so, the first ever Manchester derby for an FA Cup final. We'll get into the ramifications for that, what it means. Um, is that going to be enjoyable week leading up to that? Is it going to be horrific? The 90 minutes itself, I'm definitely not looking forward to it. But ultimately, it could be the greatest 90 minutes of our lives if you beat Manchester City in an FA Cup final. So do get all your thoughts in, in, in around um, the potential, or not the potential final, but how you think you will feel in that week, um, Cup final week, and obviously when match day does come round, it'll be a, probably a one thirty kickoff again um, in the morning for us Sydney Reds here. I don't think kickoff has been confirmed, but I assume it'll be one thirty. It's at a four thirty in the UK. Um, that should be announced in the next couple of days, I assume. But um, just before we get into, I'll get into three, two, ones, and everyone sort of comments in the live chat, and I'll sort of maybe go back to front in regards to starting eleven and everyone's performances. But just on the match in general, as I said, nil-nil, and a lot of people I've spoken to said, yeah, it was a bit of a boring game. And I understand if you're a neutral watching it just from a football perspective, yeah, but probably a little bit boring, sort of no real sort of chances or sort of drama. I understand. But as a fan, I hated it. Like, like hated it in a good way in terms of that's why we do watch football. I felt sick watching it. I felt physically sick. Like my heart was going 100. Maybe I sort of read too much into it. Maybe I take the FA Cup far more serious than other people. But my heart was pounding the whole time. Every time Brighton got into that final third, I thought, yeah, they're going to find a way through now. And our defence, ultimately, we maybe we didn't have enough in attack. Obviously, we didn't get any goals. But at the back, I thought we were brilliant. And I think we all, before kickoff, especially after what we saw in Sevilla during the week, I think we thought if Brighton have a bit of pressure on it in that final third up against our back four, they're going to score goals and not just one or two. I think a lot of us had maybe three or four. Brighton actually started the match the bookies' favourites. So um, our defence in regards to that back four, very makeshift back four, and David De Gea as well will get in his performance with his feet. 
but his goalkeeping performance was top-notch um, until the penalty shootout, but it didn't matter in the penalty shootout. But um, let us know your thoughts on the back four um, performance, because I thought it was absolutely brilliant. But I'll just say good day to some people in the live chat. And if you are in the live chat, um, as I said, do get your t- questions, topics in. And, um, yeah, we'll just bounce, bounce off each other until Larry gets here, fingers crossed. Rob, good to see you, mate. Um, as always, box. This is what cup football is about. Win by any means. I don't think anyone's going to be sort of sort of looking back at what the score was. Um, did we progress? And the question, the answer is definitely yes. Andy, good to see you, mate. Um, Case for us, right? That famous song. Obviously, everyone's singing up. Everyone's singing it all day. We're a famous Man United going to Wembley. Semi final shouldn't be at Wembley. Oh, I hate it. And then, look, this is a discussion we've been having for many years in regards to why the semi finals at Wembley. We know that they had to pay the stadium off. Fully understand that, but it just doesn't have it. I saw Sheffield United against Manchester City. Sheffield United didn't sort of fill out their end. Manchester City obviously not filling out their end. And why couldn't that Sheffield United match against um, Manchester City, why couldn't that be played at Leeds or at Old Trafford or at Anfield or something like that? Or Manchester United against Brighton, why couldn't that be played at Villa Park like in the middle of the country? I'm just thinking yeah, the final, the semi-finals at Wembley, that's what takes away from the FA Cup because we've already been to Wembley. You don't have that sort of ultimate prize of sort of travelling to Wembley for the final. But um, we got a second trip to Wembley. And look, our players maybe sort of have a bit of a sort of second home at Wembley in regards to Casemiro has now won two trophies at Wembley, played quite well. Rashford's won a few trophies at Wembley now. Obviously, a lot of players, Luke Shaw, scored in the Euros final at Wembley. So um, maybe it is a good omen in regards to the more times we play at Wembley, um, the better off uh, our group of players are for it. But uh, Matt, good to see you as well here, mate. As always, hope all is well. Vin, as always, finally got some internet up the reds. Yeah, he's out camping. I'll let everyone know where you're camping and how things are. Hopefully, um, some internet's good for you, at least. Um, hopefully, you did catch the match. If not, I'll give you my thoughts on how it did unfold. And, um, Box, we need a new centre. We need a few centre forwards because we struggled badly for goals. Yeah, centre forward, I would argue, we'll get into performances. Correct me if I'm wrong. Look, I'm a fan of Anthony Martial. I would say Veghorst probably did a little bit more. And that's not to be too critical of Martial. We look at the coming back off injury, the result in Sevilla. The ultimate, the sort of ultimate performance in terms of sometimes our strike has a bit of a graveyard shift in regards to no matter what they do, they're always going to be denied a little bit of service. So I don't go too hard on Anthony Martial, but of course, I wouldn't say made a difference, but got himself about a little bit more than Anthony Martial. Now, next game, do I want Martial or Vedcourt starting? Of course, Martial, but um, Vedcourt has come in for huge criticism and rightly so. But today, I think he made not all the difference. I think Fred made a good substitution as well, but Vedcourt, bit of credit, um, very critical, and ultimately scored a huge penalty. Uh, we'll get into his celebrations and if that's sort of playing for a bit of a contract. Um, but his celebrations were obviously good to see. Box as well. I think we need a centre back. A bit worried about Varane's availability long term. Twenty nine appearances all comps um, both season. He's been here. It's always been an issue with Varane in regards to even when Casemiro signed. Why is he signing when Rafael Varane signed? A great player. Why Real Madrid getting rid of him? What's his injury record? His first season was sort of very hit and miss. And then you add the results. The collective results as well it looked like, oh, what's this signing? But th- this season he's done very well. Now, ultimately, in terms of this chunk to the end of the season, we could weigh up a percentage and say he's missed up. He's missed a very important and large part of the season. So the injury sort of concern, injury record is definitely there with Rafael Varane, and that is why I do think we need to be definitely looking at centre-back regardless of the comings and goings. Victor Lindelof will dominate this discussion. I thought it was one of Victor Lindelof's best performances in a Manchester United shirt, he's shooing for the three two ones. Not to spoil my three two ones, but I'm sure everyone has Victor Lindelof as their three. But I think he has almost sort of cemented his spot in the squad next season and move well and truly above Harry Maguire in that pecking order. Because 
you think how nervous we were when Brighton had the ball today and they sort of knocking the ball around our back four and how we dealt with it and how, how Victor Lindelof dealt with it and how nervous that was as fans watching. Could you imagine how nervous that would have been if Harry Maguire was there in regards to sort of what he's been attracting in regards to the mistakes over the last couple of weeks? So, so I thought the performance Victor Lindelof did in the absence of Lissandro Martinez and Rafael Varane, as I said, like, I wouldn't say that, a captain's performance sort of from Victor Lindelof. Oh, my God, it was close to it. Um, I think he put in a very good performance one day. I think it might have been against Juventus. Maybe Rob in the chat will remember. Obviously, he keeps a keen eye on Juventus. In regards to Victor Lindelof, put a world-class display in once for United. And it's always been good for United, but never quite that first choice, right? That first choice centre back. But Victor Lindelof's performance today, I thought, was fully warranting him of a spot in the squad. And ultimately, that, that's sort of that centre back you want. Okay, Verona Martinez are injured. Victor Lindelof coming for two games. There's no issue with him being your third choice centre back. It's a, an issue when his partner and Harry Maguire and they're your two centre backs that are leading a title charge. That's obviously not the recipe for success. But Victor Lindelof, I think, showed. He hasn't really put a foot wrong this season. I think every time he's performed, his his performances or appearances have been so limited in regards to what Lissandro Martinez and Rafael Varane have done. And obviously, Harry Maguire's captaincy has kept him in the pecking order. So Victor Lindelof has been pushed down to fourth choice. So the appearances have been so limited. But when he has, it was a handful of appearances, really, unfortunately, for the Swede. He's played very well. And I think when Eric Ten Hag came in, he was one of those players, I think we all say Jaden Sancho, he, he would sort of flourish under Eric Ten Hag. That obviously hasn't happened, but I think one one of the other ones was Victor Lindelof. I said we all said Victor Lindelof is maybe a player Eric Ten Hag will really like in regards to the way he can play football and bring the ball out from the back, um, and he's shown that. And again, maybe not to sort of the volume we want to see in regards to, okay, Varane's been playing, Martinez has been playing. But every time Victor Lindelof has played, he has been close to faultless, which is all you want from your squad players. So well done to Victor Lindelof. But we'll dissect his performance in a little bit when we'll get in the 3 2 ones. Um, Scott, good to see you. Arsenal fan, tricky time for an Arsenal fan, mate. Um, obviously, from It's a Football thing, um, go on our socials and you can watch their latest show on all things Premier League. But tell um, me, Arsenal, ruining football. It's, it's up to both Arsenal and Manchester United to save football and stop Manchester City's treble. Um, Boxy Lindelof for solid, dependable centre-back cover My mum's in the chat as well Good to see you mum, hope all is well A good win for United, Brighton kept them on their toes They kept us more than on their toes, Brighton were the better team I thought Brighton on a, I would say better team, I think nil-nil was fair I think no team sort of really deserved to win But on the balance of play, if it was a boxing match You'd probably say um, Brighton sort of Maybe did a little bit more And I think that's probably what Manchester United fans expected I was on here two or three days ago thinking Brighton were going to win 4 nil. And another day, they score an early goal. Who knows what happens to Manchester United's confidence since that that sort of potentially could have happened. But um, Rob here, just before we do sort of crack on, surely we stay with Lindelof and Shaw for the near future. Suicidal if Eric brings Maguire back in. I completely agree. Could not agree more, Rob. What's going to happen? Would you be shocked if Harry Maguire... I actually would be shocked if he brings Harry Maguire back in, but stranger things have happened at Manchester United. And look, it wouldn't shock me at the end of the day. But I think if Eric Ten Hag is brave, which I... I have all the evidence to suggest Eric Ten Hag is brave. He has to. He, he simply has to. Um, and that's almost to sort of protect Maguire as well. Maguire doesn't need to be thrown in the deep end after sort of his mistakes. I think you do need to protect him as well because we might need him Might need him in an FA Cup final. And the last thing we need, need to do is sort of dent in his confidence over the next two or three weeks. I think he needs a bit of a spell on the sideline, sort of regain his confidence on the training ground, earning his spot back. And um, if we need to rely on him later on in the season, um, we'll do so. But at the moment, Luke Shaw and Victor Lindelof are playing very well. And then you could even make well, across the whole back four. I thought the whole back four was brilliant. Then I think a lot of us, I speak for everyone, 
I would say. I'd not play Casemiro ahead of Harry Maguire at the back at the moment. But that is a discussion for another day. We'll go through um, starting 11 and sort of back to front before we get into three two ones. David De Gea, let me know your thoughts on the De Gea performance because, as I said um, in the match preview with Larry, one of the big things for me in terms of how to approach this game in regards to a talking brave decisions by Eric Ten Hag, I said to Eric, I didn't say to Eric Ten Hag, but if I was talking to Eric Ten Hag, I would be saying, stuff your principles today. Do not play out from the back. And I was so proud. I was so happy Eric Ten Hag did not listen to me, but listened to me and launched it. David De Gea launched it every single time. And I understand the frustrations and that might have added to pressure. That might have increased Brighton's possession, which might have sort of that pressure could have told. So it, it might have backfired in that way. Ultimately, it didn't. They didn't score. But ultimately, that, that was the right thing to do, to, to launch the ball. And maybe it will maybe a little bit better suited to play out from the back today in regards to Lindelof and Shaw would have been better than Harry Maguire against Sevilla. So maybe we could have done it a little bit more. But I think just the intent and sort of, yeah, stuff the principles. This is about winning football. I didn't think we sort of could really sort of risk sort of playing into Brighton's strengths. So I was so pleased with David De Gea and probably more importantly, Eric Ten Hag, by giving that instruction to bypass that press and just launch it. I know it wasn't pretty. I know it maybe added to some bad football and sort of, as I said, sort of enabled Brighton to sort of apply a little bit more pressure on us. But I thought it was the right thing to do. Maybe Anthony Marshall and course could have done a little bit more with those long balls. But um wasn't pretty, but it got the job done. FA Cup um, semi-finals isn't about playing nice sort of triangles out from the back. It's about sort of progressing to the final, and that's what that tactic did. Because I think if we played out from the back on, against Brighton with our confidence, I think Brighton would have pinched a couple of goals, and ultimately we wouldn't be having a sort of sort of very good discussion. We'd be having a far different chat if that was the case. So Eric Ten Hag and David De Gea, I thought it got, I thought they both got it bang on in regards to the approach, and ultimately David De Gea as a goalkeeper. Big saves, four or five really big saves, like good shots by Brighton. And okay, not those chances where okay they 100% should score, like they didn't like sort of fluff their chances. But um, there was one or two sort of point blank sort of sort of snapshots. And David De Gea did very well. Ultimately, you'd say match winning saves. So in regards to keeping a clean sheet, he's obviously got his sort of Golden Glove sort of record at the moment in regards to the Premier League. But this is FA Cup football, and um, one of those goes in is a different story. So David De Gea. Might actually come out um, in with a shout with three two ones. Do let us know when we get to the three two ones. David De Gea could well would be within a point because those are goals. Um, I think if they were at the other end, they fly in. Now, ultimately, Sanchez did make a very good save from Rashford late on. But um, David De Gea's performance, I thought, for what the game needed and what he needed, confidence wise, perfect by David De Gea. Maybe you could ask for maybe a bit better sort of performance in the penalty shootout. But ultimately, um, it didn't obviously cost us. Thank God. I was th- thank God David De Gea didn't have to take a penalty. Um, that would have been a nightmare for him. But um, Boxy, De Gea was impressive, kept it simple when needed. Long-term, 100% needed change, but credit to him. See, that's why I wouldn't disagree with it. At the moment, it's not a necessity for me to go and get a replacement. But if that is what we're thinking and Eric Ten Hag is thinking, 100% I'm behind that. But yeah, today was about winning and doing the right thing by the team and the individuals, and that's why Eric Ten Hag and David De Gea did. And now we'll start. We'll go right to the Aaron Wan-Bissaka. What more can you say about him? I, I, I have nothing but respect for this guy in regards to he was frozen out, and you'd say rightly so in terms of the end to last season and sort of how things went and the way we sort of envisaged Eric Ten, Eric Ten Hag's football. You thought Aaron Wamasaka, yeah, maybe not going to work under him. So Eric Ten Hag completely froze him out. He wasn't even make, making match day squads. He was in the Phil Jones category. And suddenly Diego Delo got injured at the World Cup. We had to throw Wamasaka back in, and he has been perfect since his um, return to football, not just on the field, but the way he's carried himself off it. And the way he's performing now in, in important games on the biggest stage for Manchester United is a credit to him. 
does that mean his future is at United? I'm not sure. Now, Crystal Palace obviously still have an interest there, and he's probably one player you could get a little bit of money for. So that is a discussion um, for later down the track. But Aaron Wan-Bissaka's performance, I think a lot of our fears ahead of this Brighton match was Matoma, and Matoma got a lot of ball. But you'd have to say close to Aaron Wan-Bissaka kept him in his pocket. And to do that at Wembley on the big stage like that, Aaron Wan-Bissaka's performance, we'll get into the 3-2-1s, as I said, Brilliant. Uh, I think he's well within a shout and maybe not man of the match because I think that goes to our next man on the list. But um, Aaron Wan-Bissaka, absolutely brilliant on and off the pitch. Nothing but praise for the guy. But as said, man of the match for me, which we'll get into a little bit later, Victor Lindelof, best performance in the United shirt for me. Not just the performance, or maybe someone could break down other performances and say, okay, now this was technically better. But just the occasion, um, the makeshift back four, ultimately the winning penalty as well, which was huge. Um, which was a great moment for him. Oh, uh, so pre- so pleased for me. He's another player. Um, when Harry Maguire is out, there's maybe some one or two murmurs about sort of back, sort of around the background, sort of about potentially moves or you know, relationships or this and that. There's always a story around Harry Maguire, whether that's his own doing or others. I'm not sure, but there's always something. If Marcus Rashford is out, there's always something. If Cristiano Ronaldo is out, there's always something. Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Victor Lindelof. You haven't heard a peep from Victor Lindelof's camp. He's always down when he's sort of Eric Ten Hag calls upon him. He comes in and performs. So on and off the pitch, Victor Lindelof today and throughout the um, course of the season, it's been perfect. Exactly what you want from a squad player. We can have a discussion about squad players and what level we need them to be at to be successful. But for where we are now, uh, Victor Lindelof, 100% doing extremely well. And his partner um, in crime, Luke Shaw, you'd have to say starting centre-back for the rest of the season. This is our strongest back four. Um, We'll get into left-back in a little bit in regards to how you want to see left-back played. But Luke Shaw and Victor Lindelof complemented each other well, both played very well, and I think we're all now looking to Erling Haaland and Manchester City in the FA Cup final. And what did we have in that game? We obviously had Luke Shaw at left centre-back. So I think we're all seeing a um, short-term future for Luke Shaw at centre-back and see how he performs, and we're going to need him against um, Erling Haaland and Manchester City. But Luke Shaw as well, played very well next to um, Victor Lindelof. And yeah, on paper, it's kind of that Rafael Varane and Lissandro Martinez. They sort of complemented each other quite well. So um, credit to both Victor Lindelof and Luke Shaw. I thought they were brilliant and um, ultimately happy for them because they're two sort of good, honest pros as well. Emad, good to see you, mate. Haven't been, seen you in here for a while. Always a pleasure, mate. De Gea stays and don't need a keeper. We're in a minority, Emad. Well, I, t- I tend to agree. Um, ultimately, I, I side with Eric Ten Hag, what Eric Ten Hag wants. Um, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Winning football is winning football for me, and we can show we can win football matches and perform well with David De Gea. If Eric Ten Hag thinks a new goalkeeper can take us to the next level, he can. Is he going to make those saves? Okay, we might play a little bit better football today with a little bit more control with those two or three shots. Is the new goalkeeper going to save it? Probably not. So you weigh up your balance. So I agree, mate. A lot of people don't agree. It's one of those things. Eric Ten Hag is the one we do have to sort of side with. But at left back, I really want to make a point on Diego Delo. Not so much at left back. He's a right back. He can obviously fill in at left back at times. But Diego Delo for me, today, I just put on Twitter a couple of hours ago in regards to he cemented for me today that he's a Manchester United player. Now, is that a Manchester United player? He's going to be a success here, or do we need a new right back, or is he better than Aaron Wan-Bissaka? They're all different discussions, which I don't care about today. What I mean by a Manchester United player is just that that term that we use, he gets it, that, that he's got something about him. And um, it's all you want. All... I can't, I can't sort of demand a player sort of get the ball, go past three or four players, curl it in on the top corner and do that every single week. I can't demand that because that's impossible. All I can demand is the minimum requirements from a player, someone who cares about the club, someone works hard, someone who's always trying to improve and someone who can ultimately deal with the pressure and perform on a big stage. And Diego Diego Delo is doing that. One, he's performing very well to a high level. He's playing out of position at left back now. 
Um, he obviously cares for the club. There's no doubt about that. He gives 100% effort every week. He's one of the players you don't question his effort levels. Um, no murmurs off the pitch in regards to potentially looking away. I think as a professional and what he's delivering on the pitch, in my definition of what I want from a Manchester United player, and again, I don't want bicycle kicks and 50 goals a season. They're nice to have, but what I want, what I need as a fan are those basics of someone giving a shit, someone caring, someone giving their all, someone always trying to improve and someone sort of carrying out the manager's instructions the best they can. That, to me, is a Manchester United player. That's someone deserving of the red shirt, and sometimes we haven't had those players over last years. But what I saw from Diego Delo today, in regards to, as I said, Victor Lindelof led that back four. Diego Delo was kind of a captain, in my opinion, at left back. I just thought the way he conducted himself, carried himself, sort of, sort of again, some of it's over the top, not over the top from Delo's point of view, but sometimes it's an overstate for how important it is in terms of rallying up the crowd and sort of shouting and celebrating tackles. I don't read too much into that, but that's definitely there. And as part of Delo's sort of game, that's how he sort of so that's infectious to the other players in the team. So I thought Diego Delo t- today to me, I've always liked him, but to me today has cemented his spot for me as a proper Manchester United player. If that means if he Eriton Hug wants to sell him um, and he's not good enough in six months' time, okay, that's fine. But he's for me, he's reaching the minimum requirement as a Manchester United player. And some of the players at United don't do that. So I, I want to give nothing but credit to Diego Delo. Absolutely love seeing what he did. And obviously a very good penalty as well. Uh, moving into midfield, let us know your thoughts on midfield because this is probably our weak point today. I think it's our strong point on paper. You thought, yeah, Casemiro, Ericsson, Bruno Fernandes. I thought Ericsson and Bruno Fernandes had both poor games. Bruno Fernandes, I think, was running on empty. was sort of kicked a lot. And sort of you could tell after a couple of minutes that Eric Tenard has got to take him off eventually. He can't run. And that's obviously one of Bruno Fernandes' great strengths. So I thought Bruno Fernandes end up sort of Overall, had quite a poor game. Christian Eriksen had, I thought, a poor game. And Casemiro, you'd often say had his worst game in a Manchester United shirt, but just so many times Casemiro got caught on the ball. And you think if that was Fred or if that was McTominay doing the same thing, you could just imagine the outrage online and on on social media. And that's not to say Casemiro played bad or anything, but he has been sloppy in the last couple of weeks. And um, that is a concern. Now, his sloppy is still very good compared to other players. If Fred or McTominay has a bad game, that level might drop to a 5 or a 4 out of 10. If Casemiro has a bad game, it probably drops to a 6 out of 10. So by his standards, which he has set, I think we're still in a very good stead, but he has been sloppy. So um, fingers crossed, it's just maybe a bit of sort of bad form, maybe coming off the back of the suspension, etc. Might He might be one of those players. Remember, Wayne Rooney used to take weeks um, to get back to match fitness. Maybe Casemiro, who does look like he potentially is carrying a little bit of weight, maybe it takes him some time to sort of get back into the swing of things. Yeah, midfield, I thought we were quite sloppy. I thought Sabitzer and Fred came in and did quite well. Um, I wouldn't say changed the game, but sort of in that second half, we were a little bit more on the front foot, and I think that was off the back of just that little bit more energy, which Christian Eriksen provides great football and intelligence. Does he provide that energy? He simply doesn't. And that's not to criticise him. That's different players. Lionel Messi doesn't provide energy. Okay, but he provides everything else. That's uh, just uh, the balances of different types of players. So, um I thought Fred and Sabitzer did quite well when they came on. As I said, Bruno Fernandez a little bit not out. Anthony, I think, is what Anthony is. Um, maybe not as sort of productive in the final third in regards to assists or goals or sort of that final ball, but ultimately did what he did on the right-hand side in terms of non-stop work, and which is all you can ask for. If he wasn't getting in the game on the ball, all you can do is help the team defensively. He did that. Marcus Rashford, I thought, he always looked like that one player who, okay, if we're going to get through, it's going to be Rashford. So you always had to keep him on, and he does sort of possess that threat. Of course, he just didn't get into the game. And I put a lot, a bit of it down on his work rate. I don't think he worked too hard. Um, and that's obviously been a big criticism of mine and Marcus Rashford. He can work a lot harder. And I thought sometimes, yeah, he, he could have done a little bit more. Um, was that confidence? Was that tactic in terms of was he trying to cheat? 
I mean, cheap by like staying high to, to provide that threat in behind. I'm not sure that would be up to Eric Ten Hag to confirm, but I thought Marcus Rashford sort of left a lot to be desired. But ultimately, in terms of late in that second half, if a goal was going to come, it was going to come through Marcus Rashford. So I think ultimately he had a good influence on the match. In regards to his performance, you'd have to say it was close to non-existent, but ultimately that's because of probably Brighton were the better team. And, okay, your left winger's never really going to stand out if the opponent's dominating the game. So wouldn't go too hard on Marcus Rashford, but definitely not the game for him. And Anthony Martial, look, one, I think we're all surprised that he played. I think none of us expected him to be fit and available. He did start from the start. Didn't get into it. Again, was that through um, Anthony Martial's performance or was that Brighton dominating? I'm not sure, but ultimately... Um, there's no room for excuses. You have to, sorry, you have to sort of find a way to get into the game and perform. Anthony Marshall wasn't able to do that. As I said, when Val Vedcourt came on, I thought Vedcourt did quite well. Again, not that he didn't play great football, but just in terms of trying to make something happen, he did do that. And um, in regards to the substitutes, let me know. Um, I'm forgetting all the subs. I got obviously Sabitzer did quite well when he came on. Fred, I thought made a very good defensive contribution in that number ten role. I think that's where Fred's kind of gets his best defensive work. Um, in regards to quite high up the pitch, he pinched that one just before um, Marcus Rashford had that shot. He's sort of a bundle of energy up there. It'll be very interesting now, Fred, in regards to the preparation for Manchester City, in regards to the job he did on Kevin De Bruyne or Old Trafford, how we sort of sort of look to use Fred on how we approach that midfield situation um, come Manchester derby in the final. And the other substitution would have been, obviously, Tromalassi came on late. I can't remember him really sort of getting positively or negatively involved in the game, so I wouldn't judge his performance. Um, Jaden Sancho, what do you think of Jaden Sancho? Because I actually thought not not a brilliant performance or didn't change the game. It was better. And, that, and how it couldn't have got worse. It was only one way up after Sevilla. It could only get better. So I fully understand that. But I thought Jaden Sancho showed something. Was it enough to sort of warrant a spot? Of course not. But ultimately, you can only ask for a player to improve and give their all. And I thought Jaden Sancho did that. So still a long way to go for him. But um, I thought he did extremely well when he came on and sort of yeah, contributor both in attack and defence. Um, could add one or two assists um, if the, the game did play out different. But um, Jaden Sancho, I thought well done to him. And ultimately, Jaden Sancho, the big moment for him was that penalty. I think all of us, before every penalty, we're always nervous seeing whoever takes it. When all of us, I speak for everyone here, I guarantee you, you were absolutely shitting it when Jaden Sancho was walking up. So uh, someone's got to miss, someone's got to miss. Who's next? Jaden Sancho picks the ball up and he's like, oh. You just go back to the Euros. You go back to the form he's in. So if someone's going to miss, it's going to be him. And ultimately, to, you'd have to say the, the pick of the penalties in regards to an absolute brilliant... Now, all the penalties were brilliant. Any penalty that goes in is a brilliant penalty. But Jaden Sancho um, dispatched it quite nicely. So I was really pleased for him, um, 100%. He he agree on Sancho better. Neither here, or the, neither here nor there. Yeah, it wasn't brilliant or anything. And maybe shouldn't be praising someone just doing their job, like Roy Keane would say. I understand that. But... Um, He's down in the dumps. He does need our support, so um, we'll give him a bit of credit where credit is due, but definitely does does, does need to do more. Um, as Box says here, 340k a week, he has to fill his potential in his third season. If he gets a third season, I think he will, but um, definitely it is crazy when you do see how much money he has put in. And it goes to show in terms of the difference, Brighton, and just in regards to football models, in regards to the system, in, in regards to recruitment compared to Brighton and a Manchester United, in regards to the football they play, They've got players on 15, 20 grand a week performing the same job as our players on 300 grand a week. And um, it goes to show where you can, that's what it's not a Glazers discussion, but in regards to a culture that can be set by owners. And obviously, the Brighton owner who cares so much about the club and they have this structure and department and sort of philosophy and everything just sort of convey about okay, one player leaves, the next player comes in and they continue. If one player leaves Manchester United, 
our whole structure, our whole team, our whole manager, everything changes in regards to suiting this one player. So that is something I think we can take a leaf out of the Brighton book. And um, Emat here, Lindelof's pen was pick of the bunch. Forget it was a winner, class penalty. I love a centre-back who goes, opens his foot and puts it in the top right corner. There's something always about a, the team I used to play for when I was younger. Um, our centre-back, our captain, used to take our penalties. One of the, one of the greatest players, but just a proper old-fashioned centre-back. But he took our penalties. And I've never saw him miss one. He always just put in that postage stamp in that top right corner. Um, it was so unlike him in regards to technique, but he just had a way of 12 yards. It was like a laser. And there is something really beautiful about a centre-back putting it in the top corner. But um, here's one for, for me, Matt, as well. I'll answer this in the chat before we get into three, two, ones, before we do wrap up, because I don't think Larry's going to join us. But um, who would you rather have, Matoma or Sancho? At the moment, you would have to say Matoma in regards to the way he's performing in the Premier League and, and the way he goes about his business, the way he plays. He does look like an Eric Ten Hag player, of course. My concern, so at the moment I'd lean towards Matoma, but my concern is how does he react when you give him a £300,000 a week contract? At Manchester United, and you put a seventy million pound price tag. Is he going to be the same player? You would hope so. That's what we hope with Jaden Sancho. That wasn't to be the case. So, at the moment, you would lean to Matoma. How's he going to perform at Manchester United? Because you could say, if you're a cynic, you could say, well, today Aaron Wan-Bissaka he couldn't get the better of Wan-Bissaka. He had him in his pocket. So, how's he going to perform sort of against other right backs in that situation when the red shirt sort of weighs heavily? So, that's not to discredit Matoma. So, I wouldn't welcome him at Old Trafford. But um, you obviously got huge concerns. Um, that's not to say Jaden Sancho is the answer, but it is a tricky one. But um, look, we'll get in the three two ones because it is an interesting. I can't see the banner here to bring up the three two ones, but um, Victor Lindelof for me, Emad's in the chat, which is good to see. He, he's been a big defender, of, and, and rightly so, of Victor Lindelof since the day he's arrived. Uh, Victor Lindelof has sort of come up, uh, and for for right, rightful criticism in regards. But again, the criticism of Victor Lindelof, in my opinion, is somewhat misguided. I think the criticism is correct. But it's sort of a little bit over the top and sort of misplaced in regards to very similar to McTominay and Fred. We shouldn't be criticising them as players. We should be criticising sort of the role they've sort of been put in and the sort of why we depend on these players, why we defend, depend on Maguire and Lindelof, why we depend on McTominay and Fred going away to Anfield to dictate play. That's not on McTominay and Fred. That's not on Maguire and Lindelof. That's on the recruitment and the team and the managers in regards to the, the tools that they've been put out. Although Victor Lindelof as an individual is a very good defender. Is he a good enough defender to lead Manchester United to a title or a Champions League? Probably not. But you need that good defender as third-choice centre-back. As say, your two, your two centre-backs are out today. Okay, Victor Lindelof can come in for a week, come in for two weeks, come in for three weeks. That's okay. It's when you rely on these players that um, that's where the problem becomes. But at the moment, um, Victor Lindelof, you'd have to say, is performing extremely well and well moves sort of well above Harry Maguire in the pecking order. I'm sure I speak unanimously for everyone in regards to one centre-back to go this year is a Victor Lindelof or Harry Maguire. I don't need to say the answer. Well, of course we know the answer. And that is a credit to Victor Lindelof because his career at Manchester United when Eric Ten Hag came in and he wasn't getting game time could have very well gone a different way. But like Aaron Wan-Bissaka, like um, Marcus Rashford got his head down, like all these players, um, like Diego Delo, have got his head down and he's working and he's taking his chance when it comes about. And you can only credit Victor Lindelof for that. Um, 100% is all you want from a Manchester United player to sort of take their opportunity when it comes because Eric Ten Hag spoke weeks ago about football and Manchester United isn't fair. You might only get one chance over, you might have four months not playing and I might give you 20 minutes. You have to take that chance. And that's not fair, but that is life. And unless you take that, you're not cut out for Manchester United. So Victor Lindelof is taking his chance at the moment. So you would have to say going into next season, he is cut out for Manchester United. 
And um, yeah, Wan-Bissaka for two points, De Gea for one point as well. And um, Vingo and Wan-Bissaka for two points, De Gea for one point. I would have to probably well, box Ego Shaw for two points. In, I wouldn't say an interesting shout, a, a valid shout in regards to probably not too dissimilar to Victor Lindelof's performance. I think they complemented each other quite well. But um, again, what I said in regards to, for me personally, just what I saw from Diego Delot, I really liked and he sort of went up in my estimations in regards to the contribution to the result, nil-nil draw at the end of the day. But, but in regards to the performance, I wouldn't disagree, or the sort of especially saving the performance in regards to David De Gea, I wouldn't disagree. I would go Victor Lindelof, Aaron Wambasaka for two points simply for the job he did on Matoma in terms of how sort of fearful we were of him coming into this match. I would go Aaron wan for two points. And ultimately, I did mention those saves from um, David De Gea at the start of the... There was a few, a few quite early on, then one or two um, late on in the match. Very simple. Football massive. They go in, it's a different game. So ultimately, the contribution... Okay, our strikers weren't scoring goals. Um, so there was no match-winning goals. There was match-winning saves. Unfortunately, not the shootout. But um, from David De Gea, um, big save. So ultimately, I think in regards to the contribution to the result, um, keeping that clean sheet, um, it would be those defenders, Lindelof, Wambasaka, and David De Gea. Um, I think Fred, in regards to changing the game, I just thought maybe gave us a little bit more impotence, not for points, but I think Fred's substitution was a good one. I'm a big critic of Fred, but I thought um, that was a very good um, substitution by Eric Ten Hag um, to take. Did he come on for Bruno Fernandes? I think that might have been. I've, I've mixed on the Ericsson and Sabitza and Bruno and Fred substitutions. I'd like to go back and watch the match. Probably not the, probably not the 120 minutes, but i go watch the extended highlights. And watch a few more penalties. Um, yeah, I haven't watched actually. The penalties have been a busy day at work. But um, go back and sort of relive all those penalties. Before I do wrap up, as I said, I don't think Larry will be with us. If you are enjoying this and that Manchester United are back off to Wembley, please hit that like button. It will be very much appreciated. And if you do have any other questions slash topics, talking points, um, do throw it in the live chat. I've just seen before I was scrolling through Twitter before we went live. Is the Tottenham sack, is the Tottenham interim manager getting the sack? Is that possible? Is he still an interim manager? I'm not sure what's happening there. But after there disaster against um, Newcastle. I've seen Sky Sports cameras outside Tottenham's training ground. I'd, lo- I'd love an interim manager to get the sack. Um, I love a story like that. And I'll uh, tie that back into Manchester. You know, just a bit of my story tonight or f- from the match was it was a one thirty kickoff here in Sydney. I'm sure a lot of people in the live chat who live in Australia as well sort of share similar stories to me. But my, my plan last night was obviously Sunday night, um, in Australia, because eleven about ten thirty, I said I'll, I'll go to bed. I'll get two or three hours sleep. I'll set the alarm for one twenty, and I'll get up five minutes before the match and watch the match at one thirty. Go to bed. You know what you like. I don't know. I shouldn't do it, but I'm the same as everyone. I've got the phone next to me. I'm scrolling through Twitter, sort of thing. Um, as kickoff happens in the Newcastle Tottenham game, one nil, two nil, three nil. I just could not put my phone down, seeing what was unfolding. Turned up stuff in this. Turned the TV on in the lounge room. Came out and watched the match. So I didn't get those two or three hours sleep before kickoff. I ended up staying up and watching um, the drama unfold between Newcastle and Tottenham. Didn't get any hours sleep there. Then Manchester United went from 1.30 a.m. to 4.30 a.m. with all that drama. Then obviously when that adrenaline's pumping full-time, I didn't get to sleep till 5, 5.30. So I need about two hours sleep today. But what would I do tomorrow for a Manchester United game? I'll do exactly the same. I'm an idiot like everyone else um, who supports this club the way we do here in Sydney. Um, it is testing on the body, but um, as said, it is the thing we do for Manchester United. But um, a few people here saying, was Vin in regards to uh, Ryan Mason? Ryan Mason might replace him. You look at the issues we have at Manchester United, continue to have and will have, and just every football club has. Chelsea have, Wrexham have, well, whoever. 
Tottenham, you, you just could not support Tottenham. Like just, what they'll do to your health, they're, they're just a mess. Um, who knows what's going to happen there? But um, long, long may it continue. But in regards to the Tottenham discussion, it does tie into Manchester United and Harry Kane. 24 Premier League goals is probably worth Spurs side in 20 years. I'm taking Harry Kane as Manchester United, but ultimately if someone didn't want to take Harry Kane at Manchester United, they could very well point to him. He's a problem at Spurs. Okay, like the Ronaldo thing. Okay, Ronaldo's scoring goals, but he's a detriment to the team. I don't think that's the case at Tottenham. I think Harry Kane's a brilliant football. I think Spurs are far better. But you could talk about mentality and culture and think, well, he's been part of this failure at Spurs. I don't agree with that. But if someone didn't want Harry Kane, you'd definitely have to listen to that argument. But um, Harry Kane has to leave. Surely he, he can't stay at Tottenham right now. I've said that before. Who knows what's going to happen there? But um, do let us know in the comments below what you think happens to Harry Kane and Tottenham. Long may that continue. See here, the Tad agreed with this, and I wouldn't go this far, but I can't. I can't argue when sort of the facts are in front of us. Sometimes, Tad, do we really want a bottler like Kane? No, I don't call him a bottler. I understand the penalty miss and everything, but ultimately he is sort of ingrained in what has happened at Spurs. So maybe there is some truth in it. But we do need a striker, no matter who it is, whether it's Oshman, Kane. I do like Evan Ferguson. Would have been interesting if Ferguson played for Brighton today. I thought that's probably what they missed. If they had a strike, that's not to say he's the finished product or would have sort of caused too many problems, but he's a goal scorer. And um, it will be very interesting to see what happens with Ferguson because in our mind, as I said, I think he feels like he's a 15, 20 million pound signing. I think in Manchester United come knocking for a striker from Brighton, I think that 15 million pound goes to 55 million pound. And that might sound crazy, but I think that's what I, I can't see is getting anyone from Brighton for under 55, 60 million. Which is crazy when you do think about it. We could have got Caicedo a couple of weeks, a couple of years ago, for two or three million. He's going to cost seventy or eighty million now. Well, which is crazy. And I've never been critical of Caicedo. I just never really seen the seen a good player. But I saw Basuma. I saw Basuma was a good player. I said he's never really going to make the cut at that next level. And I'm maybe sort of a little bit lazy in regards to throwing Caicedo into that same obviously same position, same club. I've thrown Caicedo into that same category. He was good today. <laughs> he was probably besides Lindelof. I thought Casido was probably the best player on the pitch. I thought he was very good, so he, sh he shut me up. Does that mean he he's good enough for Manchester United? I'm not sure. Um, but a lot of people do throw his name at, as a potential, would you say, replacement or deputy or substitute or even sort of an upgrade. Um, depends how you view football on Casemiro. But um, be very interesting. I'll, I'll, but that's what Brighton do. Brighton have all these good players. They all sell, sell them somewhere, and they'll be the next one. So um, maybe you can just sort of look at who's on Brighton's books in regards to their scouting network and just sort of, sort of steal a jump on them. But um, it is an interesting one because I do think Manchester United will end up with a Brighton player. My hunch, my, my preference would be Ferguson. I'm lazy. I just want an Irish striker. As you can see, the Irish guy behind us, Dennis Irwin, in the Glazers out kit. I think Manchester United need an Irish player. I'd love to see Ferguson come in. Um, my hunch in regards to if I'm a betting man, which um, Brighton player would end up at Old Trafford, I think it will be McAllister. And I thought McAllister had a good game. Again, maybe not good enough in regards to making things happen, but I thought thought he showed quality. I thought if you put him in midfield over, not to say he's better than Christian Eriksen, but Christian Eriksen not off day to day. If you took Christian Eriksen out and put McAllister, who had played well, I think he changes our midfield. So I would like to see McAllister at Old Trafford. And I do think if I'm betting, he's very likely, not very likely, but just a hunch that I, I think I'd I see a situation where McAllister joins and Matoma doesn't, Ferguson doesn't, Caicedo doesn't. I can see McAllister in a red shirt. A lot of people say that red shirt might be Liverpool, though. So um, do let me know your thoughts on which player we do we get from Brighton. I would be pretty confident we do get one from Brighton. Just not sure which one at the moment. But um, as I said, do appreciate everyone in the live chat with us today. 
Um, as I said, I was hoping to get Larry on or someone else in the chat to jump on the stream, but wasn't to be. But um, we do appreciate everyone keeping the chat going and flowing in the live chat and um, that interaction and plenty of different opinions, which I always do appreciate. And um, as I said, nil-nil draw, but there was no shortage of talking points. Um, it was a funny old game um, for Manchester United. But um, ahead of this FA Cup final, just part, some parting thoughts. Just I've gotten, I wouldn't say no interest in it. I'm just not looking forward to it at all. I've got... It's going to be horrific. The only time I could think I could enjoy this FA Cup final is if we're four or five nil up in the 93rd, 94th minute. minute. Uh, other than that, I don't see a way I enjoy it. And ultimately, if you, we are to win in whatever fashion, it'll all be worth it. It could be potentially one of the greatest experiences of Manchester United fan winning an FA Cup final, stopping the treble, which is another discussion. The, the, that moment would be unreal. The cold hard facts in front of us, Manchester City are very good. The betting favourites would suggest Manchester City would win, wouldn't say quite comfortably. We haven't beaten them this season, but if Man City play well, they're a better team than Man United. The better team will win. So we will need a bit of luck. Um, that, that comes with FA Cup finals. We can beat Manchester City, for God's sake. But um, just at the, as things stands, there is that excitement going in the FA Cup final, of course. What an occasion it will be. I'm dreading it. It, it won't be an enjoyable match to watch. Um, how the result goes, time will tell. But I'm being an absolute nightmare. But if you are in Sydney, the Man United Supporters Club will be getting together for it. That's going to be a big one. It'll be a Saturday night, Sunday morning. I said kickoff probably 1.30, 2.30 in the morning. But um, we'll be there all night and um, all morning, fingers crossed, celebrating. But um, if you do want any details for that, the links to the Man United Supporters Club here in Sydney is in the description below. Or if you want any more details, if you are in Sydney, feel free to send us a message and I'll point you in the right direction. And um as I said, plenty of dis um, Manchester Derby sort of discussion over the coming weeks ahead. Um, fingers crossed, might even sort of get one or two guests on in regards to players or former players we have had on in the past in regards to preview on that one who do, do know a thing, to, a, a thing or two about Manchester Derbies and um, even stopping trebles because we have stopped a treble before, obviously, in 1977. We might need to do the same now. So well, we need to do the same unless Arsenal can get their finger out and um, stop ruining football for everyone and start winning some football matches again. Or if Real Madrid just do what Real Madrid do and win football matches in Europe, fingers crossed that'll be the case. But um, as I said, do appreciate everyone's interaction in the live chat and keeping me going. Um, did always enjoy that, as always. But until then, uh, please do leave a like on the video on the way out. And we'll be back a couple of days, I guess, and tomorrow or the next day in regards to a Tottenham preview. Um, God, Tottenham. <laughs> uh, if we could play Tottenham every week, that would be good. But we do play them this week, so do join us for that uh, match preview um, in the next day or two. But until then, have a good one, and I'll chat to you soon. Larry and I will chat to you soon. Cheers.